2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in Twenty Two Minutes. And sitting next to me is my co-host
1: Scott. You didn't even mention handsome co-host this time. Oh,
2: there you go. I sometimes forget to mention that he's next to me. And then... Well,
1: no, you, you sometimes say, "Oh, my handsome co-host," but you oh, didn't I do didn't it this today, time. So, yeah, so sorry. That's, that's fine. That's and he is
2: looking mighty fine today. He's got <laughs> his his hat on and his the earphones, and we're ready to go. And we're excited to introduce our special guest today. Her name is Wendy Starling Gardner, and she began her journey of healing 16 years ago, overcoming a broken soul after a deliberating drug addiction, abusive and toxic relationships, eating disorder, chronic pain, and mental illness. It's now her mission to help women everywhere through her speaking, writing, and mentoring to learn how to overcome the guilt, shame, and limiting beliefs that allow their past and circumstances to hold them back from achieving massive happiness and success in life, relationships, and business. Wendy owns a successful real estate company called Starling Real Estate. She founded founded the nonprofit group Soul Food USA that feeds the homeless in her local community. She is the author, the co-author of the number one best-selling book, Success Through Failing, Finding Our Greatest Gifts in Our Darkest Hours. She volunteers as a mentor with Women of Worth, is a certified ideal life vision coach, and offers private mentoring to help women one-on-one to overcome whatever is keeping them from living the life they deserve. Wow. I don't know how you sleep or when you sleep i know how you sleep but when when you have time to even fit in sleep it sounds like a lot more when it's on paper
1: <laughs> huh well i can't believe it i thought you were describing yourself in a lot of those uh, the ideal life vision and this and the book author, the same book, you guys co-wrote together. We
2: co-authored that number one best-selling book. It was fantastic. And your chapter is just one of my very favorites. So heartfelt, and your story is so compelling, and which is why you're on our show today. Thank you,
1: Becky. And I didn't know that, yeah, you were both in the Women of Worth. Yeah. So what a great organization.
2: Yeah. So let's let's dive in here and let you all get to know... Beautiful, Wendy. So welcome.
1: Thank you. So tell us your story.
2: I think the story has to start way back when I was a child
0: because there's so much that stems from that. So as a young child, I began to notice that I was different than other kids very early on. It wasn't until later in life that I learned that there was an actual diagnosis as to what was different about me. And that diagnosis was oppositional defiant disorder. All I knew as a child at the age of about eight years old was that I was just angry and sad all the time and I never understood why. I remember sitting around at Christmas with my family around the Christmas tree opening presents and a very distinct memory of feeling outside looking in. And that's not common, especially not at that age. And as I grew older and older, it grew worse. And there was a lot of rebellious behavior that went along with it and a lot of confusion as to what was wrong with me and why I was so different. And that led me into finding ways to try to, you know, now looking back, it's called self-medicating, trying to find outside ways to fix what was wrong on the inside. So very early on, I began experimenting uh, with drugs and alcohol. And that's what led me ultimately into a life of addiction.
2: Some dark days. Yes. And how did your family react and respond to this? I imagine it was so very hard
0: for them. Now, as a mother, I can sort of look back and appreciate the position that my mom was in and how difficult that must have been. And so, bless her heart. (laughs) We're from the South, so bless her heart. Um, I imagine it could have just had to have been the hardest thing ever, not really knowing what to do or how to help her child. When she tells me now... You know, the doctors essentially said, there's not a whole lot that we can do. Just try to keep her alive until she grows out of it.
2: Wow. And knowing your mother, I, I love your, your mother. And I know your sister, Tara, and uh, how loving and supporting. And as a, as a mother, I can't imagine that that pain. And I, yeah. I know that she saw the good in you. She saw what, who you truly were inside. And I'm sure that was her hope and dream and prayers. To pull that the true you out, yeah. so take us on that journey. So, the journey had a lot more downs than
0: ups for a long time, and um,
1: we promised them a little bit of laughter, but we can promise them
0: a few tears too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's been some some funny times and funny stories and things that I can laugh looking back now, but but at the time it certainly didn't seem very funny. So. You know, as, as my parents trying to figure out what all they could do, when my behaviors got me expelled from school, um, they sent me to a boarding school for troubled kids, thinking that that was a solution. Not realizing that the place was very, very different than what they advertised, and it did more harm than good. And thankfully, eventually, the, the school was shut down. But the damage was done. And so moving on from there, I didn't graduate from high school. I dropped out. I married a much older man when I was uh, five days after my 19th birthday. So I was so very young. And he was much older, and he was very abusive. Again, I can imagine how hard that must have been for my mom to sit back and see. Which, of course, when you add an abusive marriage on top of everything else... I guess it's not a huge surprise that I wound up where I did. There was so much broken inside of me. At the time, when I was introduced to a drug called meth, the first time I tried it, I instantly felt better inside for the first time since I could remember. So at first, I thought that, you know, I discovered the world's best kept secret. (laughs) And I'd put on a lot of weight, eating my feelings, Through the marriage and divorce process, and uh, the drug use led to a rapid weight loss. So, of course, that was exciting as well. And by the time I started realizing the negative effects and the addictive side of it, it was too late. And so, I spent the next couple of years as a full blown drug addict and found myself living on the streets, using and selling drugs, falling further and further down the rabbit hole. And during that time, was when I had a child and only a short time later lost custody of him because of my drug use. And that was the beginning of the turning point for me. You hear that, um, that you have to reach rock bottom, but sometimes rock bottom comes in phases. And so for me, losing custody of my son and then incarceration that soon followed was what was finally able to help me break free from that long enough to get the help that I needed and go to rehab and be able to start healing some of what was broken inside me that led me to that point. So that was the beginning of my transformation. Yeah.
2: So that child became your why. He did. And be- like you said, and begin that, that healing. How did you discover your,
0: your worth? For me, it was a very long process. And it started um, when I was in treatment and starting to discover some of those things about me that had been buried a very long time and starting to go through the process with the help of counselors and mentors to realize that the choices that I made didn't determine my worth as a person. And that was fundamental and monumental for me when I realized that, but it was a process. So that's one of the things that I like to help people with because so often we have challenges, whether it's due to our own choices or circumstances that happen to us. And we run from it and we hide from it. And, you know, pain avoided is simply pain delayed. It has to be faced. It has to be dealt with and healed so that you can move forward and move onwards and upwards. And so uh, I wish that the process hadn't taken that long for me and that there weren't so many detours in the in the road for me. But I'm so very grateful that I was able to finally grasp the fact that regardless of the decisions that I'd made, regardless of the things that had happened to me, that in no way determined my worth, it in no way defined the possibilities for my future. And that's where my freedom came from.
1: Why are you willing to go through this pain right here? Why are you willing to sit here? I mean, you drove down the road, drove into our driveway, <laughs> came to our luxurious studio, and uh, we're sitting around the dining table right? everybody's wondering how luxurious this is. But you came in here just happy-go-lucky, having a great day, and knowing that you're going to go through a lot of pain. Why are you you willing to do that?
0: Because there were people that were willing to do it for me, and I love my work in real estate. I adore my clients. It fulfills me in a lot of different ways. But I began to feel a pull on my heart, and I'd known, and I was so very grateful. I believe in God. I believe in a loving maker and felt like he had helped pull me through out of the darkness. And about a year or so ago, I began feeling a very distinct pull on my heart, telling me, almost as if God was saying to me, Wendy, I brought you through this. Who are you to keep it to yourself? So I want to be able to help other people, regardless of what their challenges were. With everybody, it's not drug addiction or an abusive marriage or mental illness. But the root of it always comes down to the same. And so if I can help women not have to have their journey take as long as I did and help them make the discoveries and find the freedom and the worth and the excitement for life that I was able to find and fast track that for them. (laughs) That's my why.
1: Wow. That's beautiful. The thing is, the bottom line is you're probably a lot stronger now than you ever were. Absolutely. And, and it's, A lot of the things you've learned along the way is because of your journey that's made you stronger. Had you never gone through it, you wouldn't be this person you are. But there's so many people who get trapped and don't ever get out of that. Exactly. And and for you to be able to be a mentor and help them and and, and fast track it and say, hey, let me help you. I'm a big believer in that as well. I'm a big believer in God. And I believe that he allows us to have things in our lives that are going to make us stretch and struggle. But it's not all about us yeah we need to get through it, and then who are we going to help through that journey as well? I love that. I wanted to know the why I, I kind of knew it, but <laughs> I wanted to hear it
2: One thing that I loved reading about in the book and and you mentioned this the pain that your mother must have have gone through in raising such a defiant child yes and now you are partners with your mother yes in your real estate business I am. And that's the nice full
0: circle that's come to it. And one of the gifts that has come with the transformation is that, um, you know, I'm partners with my mother in our real estate business. I'm partners with my sister in our nonprofit soul food. So I've been able to heal some of those relationships as well. And now life is far more full and amazing than it would have been otherwise. So that's part of
1: the gift. Uh, I know so many of our personality traits are still our personality. Mm -hmm. So now um, that defiance, did it just go away or have you been (laughs) able to learn to control it?
0: Uh, No, it didn't go away. energy into another direction. (laughs) You know, oppositional defiant disorder doesn't magically disintegrate the day you turn 18. You know, the doctor said try to keep her alive until she grows out of it, quote unquote. But as an adult, they just call it something different. As an adult, they call it bipolar disorder. So that's something else that I get to deal with. Um, I don't. I don't like to say that it's something that I suffer from, because, like you said, I I found a way to use those parts of me as a benefit instead of a detraction, to help instead of hurt. And so that defiant behavior has very much turned into a determination not to let. Any of these circumstances prevent me from living the life that I want to live, helping the people that I want to help, and achieving the things that I want to do. Beautifully I, a said. deep stubbornness, I guess, <laughs> which allows me to to focus on a lot of different things and and aim high because I'll be damned if I'm going to let it stop me.
2: And you're letting it; it's catapulting you into a lot of wonderful, wonderful areas. Yeah. So let's talk about Soul Food USA. Yes. I remember when that was born, Mm -hmm. when you and your (laughs) sister first launched that. And I remember going to your sister's apartment and Mm -hmm. there were six or seven of us Mm -hmm. putting peanut butter and jam on a hundred sandwiches. And now it has grown to this huge... Huge. Huge, huge. Yes. Tell us about that. Such an amazing
0: gift. So, Soul Food was never actually intended to be anything more than just a family service project. My two boys at the time were five and 12, and my sister Tara is very involved in their lives. She's the best aunt or butterfly, as we like Mm -hmm. to call her, because they're pretty, butterflies are prettier than ants. (laughs) Best butterfly, Tara, that my kids could ever ask for. And so, you know, together we both felt very strongly that we wanted to give them a foundation to not grow up and be entitled brats, to, to know and appreciate the concept of service, to have compassion for their fellow man, and just the, that kind of character that hopefully if we could ingrain that in them early, that it would carry on with them through their adulthood. And so we were on a road trip to LA from Utah and just driving down the road, brainstorming ideas on what we could do and we settled on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and finances were really tight for both of us at the time and I think together we pooled about 50 bucks and bought the supplies and between her and myself and our mom and my boys and my dad we made 64 sandwiches. And it took us about three and a half hours. (laughs) And it was such an amazing life-changing experience, you know, finding, and we just figured we'll drive downtown and find some homeless people and hand them out. And we weren't prepared for what we were going to see and what we were going to feel and experience and seeing children in dirty footsie pajamas, sleeping on a blanket on the sidewalk. And I remember this single dad who had a a regular size stroller and he had three different kids, one in the... one in the stroller seat, one riding the handlebars, and one in the compartment below that you put your purse in. And when we gave him the sandwiches, tears came to his eyes. He said, this is the first food I've had for my kids all day. I don't know how to thank you. And the very first sandwich we handed out was to an old man in a wheelchair and you know, beard, gruff-looking, big biker-looking dude. And he also came to tears and he said, ladies, the Lord said, feed my sheep. And that's exactly what you're doing. So God bless you. First sandwich we ever handed out. And it couldn't have been any better than angels coming down from heaven and saying, well done, this is what you should be doing. And so, of course, we posted about it on Facebook and it was such an amazing experience. And my children were crying and saying, mom, we have to do this again. And secretly Tara and I high five each other. And so a couple of friends joined us and then a couple more and then a couple more. And it just grew and grew and grew. And it was very obvious that God was using us as a vessel and so now we usually have about a hundred volunteers and we make about a thousand sandwiches in under an hour it's absolutely amazing and every sandwich gets a sticker written in colorful marker by young kids that says you matter so when we came up with the name of we eventually we figured we got to name this and just go with it and we chose soul food because we didn't just want to feed their bodies. We wanted to feed their souls. And we actually got a lot of pushback at first from the shelter and from law enforcement. And the shelter just wanted us to bring the sandwiches and drop them off on the counter. And we said, thank you, but no, we want to be able to look these people in the eye, give them a hug, ask them their name, treat them like a human being and remind them that they matter. And that's where the stickers were born.
2: And I know this story and my, my eyes are filling with tears, just Just being here with you and feeling your your heart and your your soul and seeing the passion and love that you have for people and knowing the difference that you're making in in others' lives. Here's open. (laughs) That's
1: that's beautiful. I need to go back just a minute and ask two questions. What is the very best thing your parents did that helped you and, and, and parents could look to? And then the other one is what's the very best thing that you did that got you out of where you were?
0: So for families that are struggling with a child who's dealing with addiction, I can't imagine any greater pain. I have a lot of empathy now for what my parents must have been going through, and I pray that I don't ever know firsthand what that was like. I've had a significant other who was back into addiction, and that was hard enough. I can only imagine if it was my child. And as parents, I think one of the most important things for them to do is to look at the whole family dynamic. Because addiction is not just about one person. It's about the family. And drug addiction is actually not the problem. It's an attempt at a solution to the problem. And so by no means do I say parents should blame themselves because that's not true and that doesn't do any good. But oftentimes there's a dynamic that together has created circumstances that maybe started the road down that. That hill. And so I think it's important for families to together look at the total dynamic and figure out what can we do to make shifts and what can't we do? Because there's a lot of things that are out of your control. Boundaries are super important. Once your child's already suffering from addiction, boundaries are incredibly important. And there's a time and a place for tough love. And there's a time and a place for opening your arms And sometimes it's hard to know the difference. And I think every situation, every family is unique. Ultimately, in order to get help, the addict in your family has to want to get help and they have to be ready to get help. And so one of the most important things that the parents can do is to take care of themselves, take care of any healing that they need to do, love their kids no matter what, make sure you're not enabling them But do anything you can to facilitate the healing, you know, and and I can only guess that if it were me as the parent and not the child that I would, you know, adult child or not, that I would get the biggest roll of duct tape that I can find and (laughs) hem my child up and throw him in the back seat and drag him off to rehab. But that might not work in every situation.
2: What is one thing that you would like to tell people that are still struggling?
0: Becky, that would have to be to believe in miracles, that it can get better, that it does get better, that it's hard. It's the hardest journey, journey you will ever take. But here I am 16 years later and anybody who knows anything about meth addiction, that's crazy, but it can happen. 16 years later, I'm clean and sober. I have an amazing life, I have an amazing business. And I ended up getting custody back of my son, something that I was told was not possible. And it, and it took me a long time. It took me 10 years to do it. But believe in miracles because it does happen.
2: Beautiful. A lot to celebrate. I hate to wrap this up. We could (laughs) go on for hours.
1: Thank you, Wendy. Thank you for being here and uh, sharing your life with us and our listeners. You can just feel the the transformation so thank you for showing your heart well you guys
0: are very kind thank you
2: so go to our website life in 22 minutes.com and in the show notes you will find the the link to connect with wendy on facebook and the link to order her her book and read more about her life thank you wendy thanks you guys thanks everybody
0: goodbye everybody
1: thanks for listening to life in 22 minutes
0: if you liked what you heard Tell your friends about us and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and
2: a whole lot of love.